kind of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations, fellow Skywatchers from all corners of the globe. No matter where you're listening in from, welcome to Skywatchers Radio. I am one half of the Dynamic Duel with you as always, Angel Espino, and with me as always, my own very Robin, Mr. Alan Weiler. Say hello, Alan. Hello. Sorry, I was wow. walking. I w- I'm sorry, I was watching. I said Robin. Heart- what the hell was that? Sorry, I was watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show earlier, and, you know, I, I was like the Classic. character rip. You know the guy ripped that goes hello. Yeah, that's not by. a. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that goes over very well on in the UFO community though. That voice. Yeah, and you're telling me that Batman and Robin go well, really? Well, it's a whole dynamic duel thing I was going for, dude. You just kind of uh, like you know, you know, dynamic duel. Okay, go with it. That, that that you know, if we're gonna do dynamic duel, we should do like like Alien Nation with um with you know uh what was the character's name Matt Sykes and San Francisco. Let me guess, because I'm the Cuban, I'm going to be the alien, right? That's how it works? Hey, 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 you said it first, not me. <laughs> but I know you, you were thinking it. it. I know you I, were thinking I, I, it. I actually did not think it, but now that you mention it, that sort of <laughs> does make sense, doesn't it, people? Yeah. And by the way, if you have any complaints or sure you want to ship them off out to INS, uh, you can always call us on our wonderful talk line uh, as well as say something in the chat room, folks. Yes, you can always do that. And uh, the way to find a chat room is very simple. Go to www.psn-radio.com and look up the little link there. It says chat room, and uh, you can just enter there and join the fun. Of course, uh, we're going to have open lines uh, like usual. We hope you guys call in. So many people, yeah, so many people always God. call. want to hear from new people calling. Uh, we we got to get a new call, at least one new caller per week. At least, you yes. really, really have to do. So if one you of you victims, I mean, in. people listening. Yes, one of you Victim, victims. I like that now. That's yeah, one, one of you victims, please call in so we can talk to you about what we're talking about tonight. And the number is 786-245-8127. Again, that's 786-245-8127. Doesn't matter if you're on the you know West Coast, East Coast, Canada. Doesn't matter where you are. Are we willing to pay that long-distance charge? Well, if, let me it. ask you this: if people if people don't want to pay that charge or don't remember the number, is there a ah, Skype thing to call? That's a great question, my astute co-host. Yes, there is. You can look us up by looking up PSN Radio, and you can find us right there. And boom, 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 you'll be able to talk to us immediately. Very simple. You know, I honestly think that PSN Radio is a lot easier to remember than the numbers you rambled on way too quick. Well, this is true, but that's why I said it twice. And I'll say it a third time, 786 
seven. Now you check this need out. To go to Only for you. See, you're underestimating our audience here, though. Like you're you're assuming they're too slow. No, no, to no. I, I know. I, no, 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 no. I know we have brilliant people that listen. Exactly. We do. But in I fact, don't think they could speed listen to the numbers that you're rambling, you know, and be able to jot it down, especially when odds are they're in front of a computer and don't have a pen and paper to write well, with. Well, here's the thing. Odds are they're in front of the computer, and if they're in the chat room, they could see the number just looking at them right in the faces. You're right, type. but we, so, you know we have so many, so many, so many In effect, if they're listening never in the chat to this room. show on a regular basis, they would know the number already. i just like to reiterate it a couple times because I do want to get new people to call in. And check this out, Alan. Okay. Uh, you know, people are listening. It's not like they're not listening. I, I oh, get, I know of they're course, listening. I get we tweeted get all numbers. the time. I, I get stuff. You know, we see the numbers. People are definitely paying attention. I get calls constantly after the show's done to ask me questions. And I, I keep saying, dude, why don't you call me when the show is on? Like, stop calling me when the show is off, for the love of God. Now, last week, we were going to have a show, and we had to cancel at the last minute, so we couldn't be live. Uh, and I was going to touch on something that happened on Twitter, uh, which is funny. Uh, I had, like, a little... Twitter beef kind of going for oh, about don't don't hours. tell me your photos got leaked to the net please God well, don't tell me that please was no a, we don't need to see you no you I, was a sexy, po- I was a in a sexy I was in a sexy position I was I was in a sexy position I'll leave it at that okay all right fine I I, I just don't want to think about that I, I I really don't want nightmares at the end of the at the end of the show tonight when see, I you're already you're already stuttering so you're already stuttering yeah. so it's yeah yeah, yeah. I, 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 I feel I, your pain I, believe me. Okay. So I have many women, but this is what I'm trying to get at. Check this out. So <laughs> I'm on Twitter, and and you know we I made a couple comments a couple of weeks ago, which I guess were controversial, and I want to address that because I promised I was going to get to this. Okay. Uh, but there, it, it, it's a funny thing, really. It's nothing too major or anything. A funny uh, but, thing happened to me on the way to the moon. Kind no. of. Well, okay. it, kind of it's like that. But anyway, uh, kind of, but not really. No. I made a, you remember the comments I made about ancient aliens and about uh, one Mr. Stan Romanek a couple weeks ago? I have a reasonable recollection, but you might want to describe it to some of the listeners because okay. it's you never know if we have newer old listeners. Right. Uh, whatever. Okay, I made a couple comments. I'm going to start with the ancient alien stuff because I was addressing they were going to have Michael Heiser on the show which I'm super excited about. I'm a big fan of his work. Uh, I'm a big fan of the video he did with Chris White, Ancient Aliens Debunked. I think they, you know, they did a pretty good job of debunking Ancient Aliens, at least the episodes that they touched upon. Uh, And that was kind of uh, met with a little bit of, you know, uh, you know, why'd you do that? You know, you can't say, you know, that that was met with a little bit of, of, uh, you know, I would say uh, Twitter hate because of that comment. But what really got people upset was the, the comment that I made about Stan Romanek. Which it was kind of funny because, you know, in my comment, I did say that I hope Stan Romanek is innocent. I hope that he doesn't, you know, go to prison over this thing and everything is, you know, proven to be a big lie because I would hate for this to you be know, another guilty black guy. Guilty until proven innocent with that right. particular category. Correct. My statement, and it's a very clear statement, I mean, it, I thought I was uh, pretty adamant and clear about it, was uh, that I would hate to have the government find other people within ufology that are doing the same kind of thing with Stan, and more names come out, and more people get in, involved in this mess that's going on. Right, I remember you saying that. Yeah. Because that would be just terrible for the entire spectrum of what ufology is. And that 
unleashed a little bit of backlash on on Twitter. And I got to say, uh, you know, I went back and forth with, with uh, this one particular person from Twitter, uh, which I got to give him a, a shout out, Eugene. Give him a nice shout out. He actually was really cool. And uh, once, you know, we got to talk in, in private because it went back and forth on tweets, which I didn't, I've never done that, by the way. Okay, surprise. Congratulations. And, I've never just sat there and, like, answered tweets that are coming at me or whatever back and forth. Uh, well, but, you know, I, he caught my attention because I was like, well, you know, my statement was pretty clear. And um, I don't think that I made an improper statement. Like, I mean, if you look at the totality of what I said, I mean. If it was in context, fair. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. But if some people take you out of context, context, like a lot of people do with other, you know, radio show and, you know, audio show and talk show hosts, you know, I can understand where people could blow up at you on it, you know, but I understand the context that it was in. And believe me, look, I've met Stan and I have no personal problems with the guy personally. Like, he's never harmed me in any way, you know what I'm saying? So it's not like a personal issue or anything like that. Again, my, my statement is I hope that it's proven false, the allegations, because I would hate for this to be another black guy within ufology. And more importantly, I hope that no other names within ufology are involved in this, whatever is going on. Because, look, right now it's just Stan Romanek, right? This is the only person that we know that is Well, there's no new names involved, out there, right? are there? Not that we know of, but the trial hasn't started yet. You see what I'm saying? So since there hasn't been a trial yet, you know, we don't know if more names are going to now pop up. I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, so, you know, like I said, I just hope uh, that the government doesn't have a list of uh, other names that start coming out as possibly involved with some, you know, shenanigans with uh, child pornography, because that would be really the worst case scenario. Absolutely. And you want to know something really interesting? Have you ever seen the show Ray Donovan on Showtime? No, I have not. There was an episode this season where, for, where in order for Ray Donovan to get his way with someone and get him to do exactly what he needed to, to, to do. He had malware dumped onto his computer where all that kind of stuff, that child porn, was dumped onto his the, – the person that he needed you – know, you know, the person that's getting attacked, the attackee, right. I guess would be the right term. And, you know, it's like the guy had to acquiesce to, to avoid any prosecution and avoid any, any type of fallback. But, you know, people, especially from the realms that listen to us or are active participants in our realm, do have the skill set and the technology to probably dump it onto other people's computers. Correct. There is, of course, uh, measures which can be taken to track everything, uh, including when somebody is dumping something to somebody's computer and they don't know about it. So there, there is ways around that. My thing, again, with, whole, with this whole case, uh, Alan, is the government does not spend this much time and resources unless there's something there. And that's the most unfortunate part of this thing. Well, uh, I hear you. It really that. is. Uh, that is really the most unfortunate part because, look, anybody can get hacked and anybody can get, uh, you know, stuff put in their computers uh, that they didn't even know was there, you know, just a virus or anything, pornography or whatever. That can't happen. Uh, but as you and I know, you know, people in the know, tech people would know how to track that and understand well, where it's coming from. some people from. can figure out how to do it. How to? Sometimes you can track it. Sometimes you can't, actually. 
Right. You know, if it's routed through all sorts of crazy countries, like some Nigerian prince who was in touch with some guy in Russia for some oil, who was then in touch with someone in the Ukraine about some missiles, who is then in touch, yeah, who is then in touch with someone from Madagascar and Belize because they know the Nigerian prince to get this on the computer. Right. Whatever the hell you just said. My point is, though... I'm saying you could bounce bounce a trace so far around the world, you'll never figure out where it originated from. Right, but no, but that's not the point. The point would be that you could still figure out that, okay, well, you know, this didn't come from his computer originally. It's not like he downloaded it off like a BitTorrent. You know what I mean? Uh, They could figure out, okay, this was placed here by somebody somewhere... but if we you download it off BitTorrent, guess what? That way you can find it. But then again, Correct. you know, if if you don't have the right firewall, people on the other side of the BitTorrent can push stuff to your computer as well. That's right, and that can be traced. The whole point is, look, if you guys are listening in and you have any objection to anything we're saying, if you don't agree, Call don't in. tweet me. Don't tweet me 365 times and you know start a feud on Twitter. I got stuff to do, man. Call in when we're doing the show. Let me know. I'm look. I'm more than happy to debate anybody on any point I try to make. Uh, if it comes out clear and I think that it's an objective uh, point that it's on point, I'm going to defend myself. And uh, you're more than happy. To, I'm more than happy to have you call in and defend your point and give me a counterpoint because I might be wrong. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Correct. But if you want to, hey, we're giving you an open forum to share it. That is right. If and it's on way, topic. And by the way, if you guys, again, want to you know, call in and ask any questions of uh, the past shows or stuff that we've talked about, feel free to do that also. Uh, we're going to uh, go on break here in a couple minutes because we're going to get our first uh, our guest, uh, which is actually, this is cool. Um, he's going to join us now um, periodically, like every twice or three, you know twice a month or something like that. Maybe yeah, looking forward month. to that, yeah. Um, Alejandro Rojas of Open Minds himself is going to be with us uh, here as a uh, presenter of the news because, as you guys know, I tend to butcher a little bit the English language. English. Did English. you just say that? English. Yeah, I was trying to butcher it on purpose. Thank you for oh. going rolling with the punches there. Well, it could have been worse. It could have been from another part of the world that said English. English? English. English. What, what part of the country or what part of the world is that? English. You know, English. You speak English because I call customer support and I need to speak English. That is I, horrible. I, I'll tell you. You want me to play today's? <laughs> uh, you want me to tell, play today's T-Mobile customer support call? You would not believe what happened to me. Swear to you. I call oh, up T-Mobile and I and I get, hello. Thank you for calling T-Mobile. My name is Bob, and I'm like. Bob, great. Okay. I wonder what, um, what Bob is short for. Yeah, I don't. Baba Ganesh. I don't know. But <laughs> possibly. But, <laughs> I, but I'm like, hello, this is Bob, and I'm like, Bob, excellent. Hey, listen, got a question. Which call center did I reach? It's like, or do you have reached uh, Canada? Yes, you have reached Canada. I'm like, really, Bob? Wow. Um, listen. Uh, which time? Wh- which part of Canada are you in? What time zone are you in? I am in the uh, west one. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Listen, uh, my phone is not telling me my time properly. Could you tell me what time you got over there? It's like, hold on, let me get the calculator. And I was just like, wow, I know. I did not reach. I know I did not reach Canada. I know I didn't, okay? Um, but, you know, I said, listen, I need to speak to someone stateside because I need to get from my girlfriend the new iPhone 6. 
And he's like, okay, I am going to transfer you. Thank you for calling. And I'm like, wow. Um, wow. Canada. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I believe with that. With that, right. we're going to go on break now, guys. We're going to be back on the other side with Alejandro Rojas, who's going to join us, like I said, for Open Mind News right here on Sky Watchers Radio. And fun news. There's some fun news coming up. Keep your minds open, people. We'll be right back. In the darkest darkness, in the blackest black, on the road to nowhere, there's no turning back. Love reached out and touched me, stopped me in my tracks, crossed my heart, cause it's true. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth oriented discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network live at 8 p.m. Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, CapricornMembers.com for the archives. Don't forget, truth is not democratic. Truth is truth. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Mental disorders are common in the United States and internationally. An estimate 26.2% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness. Now this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. If you find yourself laying in bed on a Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep, well it might not be that demonic being from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep might just be your mental illness starting to kick in so if you're out of meds for the night then i have just the thing come listen to my show the jackal's head you can check out our listen live page only on www.psn-radio.com see you there this ad has been paid for by the jackal's head and the war on terror war it's fantastic now don't forget everybody to catch Future Theater live every Monday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern with your host, Bill, that's me and Nancy, I, Caramba, Burns, and we are broadcasting live on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Breaking the walls down. This is radio. This is what people want. To download the podcast, make sure you go to www.futuretheater.com. 
Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom-built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. You're listening to the Dark Matter Radio Network. All right, everybody, welcome back to Skywatchers Radio. Here we are live, and we're joined by Mr. Alejandro Rojas from Open Minds Radio, Open Minds TV. And, of course, he's a a fellow Skywatcher like us. He's been on the show many times, and and now he's going to join us on a periodic basis uh, to give us some Open Minds news. And, uh, you know, we're always excited to have you on, Alejandro. And it's been so long since we last talked, you and I. Wait, no, that was yeah, just I a know. few yeah, hours so. ago. Oh, yeah, it's kind of weird, huh, how that works. So how you yeah, been, man, so in the last 24 here. hours? Thanks for having me. Uh, and I'm excited to have you on my show. Yes. Next week. That's going to be cool. I'm, I'm going to be on Open Minds. Huh? Yeah, I yeah, never get you know invited anywhere. Gonna, Who was I'm that? Did you guys hear that? Total Barbara Walters, and <laughs> Angel's going to be sobbing. Oh, boy. By the time... Everything's over. So, people, if you want to hear about Angel and the childhood experiences that make him uh, weep on the radio, then you want to tune in. I will say this. Nobody makes me cry on air like Alejandro Rojas. (laughs) (laughs) I am not even... Hold on one second. I'm reaching for that 10-foot pole. Who, um, (laughs) who, Who is that speaking? I know Alejandro's on. Anyway, Alejandro, so how have you been, my friend? Good, very good. Uh, keep them busy, of course, as usual. Um, and, you know, it's kind of fun because, of course, we were on last night yes. on uh, Future Theater 
uh, with the burns, which was a lot of fun. And how was that? How was that for you? How was that for you, though? Let's before we get into some news. How was that for you? Because you haven't been on Future Theater before, and I've no, I know that Nancy and Bill have been uh, dying to have you on, and we finally made it happen yesterday. How cool was that? Well, let's see. I'll I'll have to be, you know, careful how I say this because I know Nancy may be listening. No, she is. It was a lot of fun. No, it was a ton of fun. In fact, it it was funner than it was more fun than than most radio experiences because he, he sounded like me there for a second. It was Nancy funner. Wanted to, huh? You sounded like me for a second. There was it was funner. Yeah, Nancy <laughs> wanted to kind of you know ask me some tough questions, which yes. I appreciate because I like to do that too when I can. Um, and it's hard for people to do sometimes when they're not educated on items. Um, but certainly the burns, uh, are really, they're kind of, um, icons in this field. They've been around for so long. Um, they're very, very well versed, uh, in on many topics in this field, which makes it even more fun. So that's one of the fun things. It kind of felt like, you know, in the back room to the conferences when you're, kind of getting together with other researchers and, and batting stuff around and uh, kind of uh, off the cuff and, and uh, candid. And that's what it felt like. So it was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. It was geeky fun for me, man. I was just sitting back, you know, and just, the uh, you know, marveling at the fact that I have you on, Bill on, Nancy on, and I'm just, like, sitting there like, wow, I can't believe I'm on this call. This is mm-hmm. a really cool call. Because, you know, I'm a fan of Ufology. I'm a fan of uh, you guys, you, Bill. I mean, I've, I've watched Bill on TV, for crying out loud. I mean, how cool is that? You know? I mean, you yeah, guys are all was, pillars of the know, community. Like, There's what was really again. cool, like, Bill, you know, um, how he can found out all of these facts and, and history yes. uh, and have that memorized. For me, it's hard because when I write a story, I really, really get into it. I've got to do all this research to figure it out and get into it. But I move on to the next thing, and then the facts kind of um, um, go off into the nethers. So I'm not really good at holding on to all of those facts and figures and everything. So it's so impressive that he can do that. And uh, so, yeah, it, it it was really great being able to talk to him because I've only been able to talk to him here and there, so that was probably the longest I got to talk to him. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, Bill is one of those, like, researchers uh, that really does store information. Like him, uh, people like him, yourself even, uh, uh, to an extent, uh, Nick Redfern, who writes, like, a thousand books. I mean, these researchers uh, yeah. and, and investigators and reporters uh, that really uh, put, you know, the time in, uh, you know, should be commended and, and should really be applauded. Bill has been doing it for a while now, and he is, like, a well of information. Like, he was Wikipedia before there was yeah. Wikipedia. You know what I mean? Like, he's the human Wikipedia. Yeah. Like, he, he, this guy knows just about everything. It's, uh, sometimes I tell Nancy, I'm like, just let him talk. I really want to hear what you know. You know what, what he's going to say. It's a, that's this what is you good. Told me you tease her about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you it, know, it's um, at the Congress, you know, one of the guys behind the scenes, wonderful guy. I actually got him to allow me to interview him um, a few months ago. His name is Jordan Peace. He mm. works behind the scenes doing the AV at many of these conferences, including the MUFON ones and uh, at the UFO Congress. This guy is awesome. He's one of the coolest guys. He's just one of the most super nice people in the world. And uh, she had a great idea, and he bought this trivia system, a uh, Jeopardy-like system. 
And it was his idea. He tested it out, actually, at the last conference and everything, and he's ready to go. So I think we're going to do a Jeopardy session at the uh, next UFO Congress. Nice. We haven't decided who will line up against each other, but hopefully if Bill Byrne comes as a speaker, you know, oh, we'll man. have to get him on that panel if he'll do yeah. it. But it's going to be a lot of fun because we'll get some of the speakers, you know, some of the UFO researchers to go head-to-head on uh, UFO Jeopardy and see how they do. I'll tell you what, though. Uh, you might want to ask Nancy also because, uh, you know, she's a very oh, yeah. bright researcher oh, yeah, yeah, herself. Sure. I mean, not to leave her out of the compliment session here, you know, Nancy uh, knows her stuff, man. Amazing. Oh, stuff. yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it was she's, she's the lead of the show we are talking about last <laughs> night. She, uh, she commands the show and... Uh, like you said, uh, and and uh, it was great, yeah. It was awesome. Now, of course, Open Minds uh, News Outlet, this is like the, really it's becoming the number one source uh, for ufology news, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, like, we read a lot of the stories right off of the website, Open Minds. You know, we've talked about it before here on the show and how much I admire you, what you guys do there. Uh, and, of course, you're a very busy person on Open Minds, the website, and and uh, you know, reporting the news. Uh, what's the latest that you guys are working on? Uh, give us a little scoop of, of what's going on. And there is one thing that I wanted to, to ask you about, uh, but I'm going to ask you first to give us uh, what the latest is that you're working on before I, I go into this one story. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, something I worked on today was a lot of fun, and this is a movie called Abductee. Yes, and I heard about there's that. a guy, you know, yeah, you probably played the mm-hmm. show. I don't know if you've talked to him, but there's a guy named William Hoff, mm-hmm. who is the producer and the director and the script writer. And, uh, you know, you, you aired my show, so you're sure you heard it. And uh, I interviewed him a few months ago because he told me I'm working on a found footage film called Abductee. And I like talking to uh, people in entertainment who do this sort of thing just to get their perspective, what they think if they believe in it. Um, but this was really refreshing because this guy is really into abduction research and, and abduction. And his whole goal was to do a first person that really represents what people uh, reportedly go through. And so he, uh, in order to do this, he's been trying to crowdfund this film. Uh, when I interviewed him, that's what stage he was at. He had an idea. He had a script uh, that he spent a lot of time researching to put together, and uh, so he was pushing for it, and I, I was excited to talk to the guy, but to be honest, I was skeptical it would go anywhere, because, you know, it's films. Everybody wants to make a film, making, you know, right. enough money to make one. It's hard to do, mm-hmm. but he sent me this press release this week, and I've been in contact with him where he is at the stages where they're going to start to shoot okay. on October 2nd, and it's pretty exciting because he's gotten a Emmy Award-winning producer and director to work with him. Uh, this is a lady who won an Emmy in 2009 for her work on the A&E's uh, Intervention television show. And uh, he's got a couple of act- he's got a full suite of actors, but he's got a couple of leads who have worked on quite a few TV shows, uh, big TV shows, and, and movies. Um, you know, his lead actress has worked on a couple movies with Susan Sarandon, and uh, you can go and see their IMDb. I have a link to those to see their history. So he has really got some top-notch people here, and he is uh, ready to shoot. So it's pretty exciting. Um, his whole goal is is not just for this to be a movie, but to kind of start a social kind of a community for abductees, 
um, to, uh, you know, help solidify the community, but also to help represent them and give them a voice. So his goal is not just a movie, but uh, like he had said, a whole like social movement to get this uh, topic more mainstream. So that's pretty cool. I, I, I think I, I applaud his efforts. I hope the movie turns out great. And uh, I'm, it's a lot of fun keeping track of uh, what this guy's up to. That is very cool. And how are they funding the thing? Is it self-funded, the movie, or...? Yeah, all self-funded, and he has a lot of uh, interesting things to say about, uh, you know, going through uh, Hollywood and everything. In fact, he had a good quote here about uh, he wants to keep investors out of the mix uh, to keep the film free of the control exerted by Hollywood executives and movie studios, which can destroy a film's purpose and impact. Very true. And it's kind of funny because he, he talks about, you know, a lot of scriptwriters write these great scripts, and then the Hollywood guys get their hands on it, mm-hmm. and they ruin the movie, and you don't get to see the movie you wanted to see. So uh, he had some uh, a video that he did for his uh, crowdsourcing um, Kickstarter, and I think they used another one to get money. Um, and uh, he talks about this in the video about how it was really important for him to uh, keep it out of you know investors' hands and, and the regular people who produce these sort of things so it can be uh, more pure and accurate to the uh, research. You know, I'm surprised more um, folks like him haven't uh, taken to, like, uh, Kickstarter or, you know, GoFund, uh, what is it, GoFundMe or something like that? It's another one of those accounts. Uh, well, they the, do. Indiegogo is another one. But a lot of them don't make it anywhere. I mean, I interviewed someone not too long ago. I think he wanted to do a comic book. I don't think he made enough. Um are you, you know, me? there's the John Mack piece where they're struggling. It looks like they're struggling to get uh, funding, but movies cost a lot of money. It looks mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, one thing that William Hopp did, and it seems like he's experienced, is that he went with the first person. And a lot of people, you know, I even got a, on Twitter today someone saying, well, you know, a lot of people don't take first person seriously. And they're right, you know, and a couple people tweeted about how Fourth Kind has kind of. Uh, really soured the case for people uh, on on these sorts of movies, which makes a lot of sense, you know. So that's uh, certainly something that uh, I think a hurdle. But uh, I've also talked to other, you know, even major directors, uh, like I was able to interview the director for um, Echo, Earth to Echo, or Echo to Earth. Something like that, yeah. Earth to Echo. You know, he even talked about how its budget, you know, you can do so much more with your budget when you do it that way. And that yeah. I think William Hopp was more realistic about how much money he could make to put this thing together. And uh, that's probably why he's been successful in raising funds. That's uh, interesting. You know, there's a, a guy named John Shep who uh, put together a, he's putting together a documentary based on like uh, Superman. And that's got over almost like a million dollars on Kickstarter. Mm. Which, it's crazy. Like something yeah. fictional like that. You know, it's what the problem is. The problem is, is that the people who actually want to go for the real documentary stuff and not the fantasy stuff. The biggest problem is, is that they're not publicizing via social media and Hmm. directing traffic to fund it. That's been the biggest problem. Take um, the Atlas Shrugged uh, trilogy that they finally just released the third one of. It took them years to get the ball rolling. Yet every single time they've done a movie, they've had totally different actors, for example. 
throughout the entire, all three of those yeah. movies. Possibly, but, guys. Yeah, we, it's hard. We, and we documentaries gotta, uh, are, don't get people excited so much, really, either. Um, yeah, that's another thing. I, I've, talked to, I've talked to so many people in this field. So many people have had the idea of working and get our documentary on UFOs and theaters. Mm. Nobody gets their documentary on UFOs and theaters. It just rarely do any documentaries get in theaters. So, yeah, it has um, to be like a groundbreaking documentary. On, with, uh, has to be like well, a there are limited edition runs. I mean... You know, they yeah. do, do limited edition things. But it has to be like a, a big thing, you know, big. like a big celebrity yeah. that everybody knows who died and they made a documentary about him or her. You know, something like yeah. that, 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 you know, the mainstream audience, which is crazy to me, Alejandro, because, you know, the subject of ufology is so popular uh, that, you know, it yeah. boggles the mind how some, you know, film director has not put something together that's really just uh, captured the imagination you know, of people. You know, if on, they did it as a docudrama or a mockumentary. That might work. That would might that might work better, guys. By the way, well, we're, I'm hoping we're... you know that this this project kind of opens the door, um, especially if if you know uh, it does well and it's based on you know real events. And uh, hopefully, this will do well. And because I think that hopefully gets the made. real events are much more interesting than the things that these goofballs come up with in these horror flicks. I really um, agree. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting or compelling. By the way, we're joined on the call here by uh, 559. You're called. Uh, you're, you're on Skywatchers Radio Live. Thanks for uh, being patient there. Uh, you're live on the air. You want to ask Alejandro a question or myself or Alan? Yeah, I wanted to ask um, what what uh, what movies you guys uh, would recommend like that aren't really uh, have that Hollywood effect to them, but still, but still have that real effect uh, about like you know, uh, alien or paranormal-type movies? Hmm. It's a good question. I'll tell you this. There's a lot of stuff that half, in my personal opinion, I'm sure every, all three of us will have a comment. Uh, my personal opinion, I've been finding some really good 45-minute to hour-and-a-half to two-hour, very, very well-researched and looked-into stuff all over YouTube. The problem is, is that not enough people are watching it for it to get really posted up high in the rankings. Well, are you talking about yeah. documentary or Hollywood kind of thing? A little bit of both. Well, the thing is, you know, I mean, you, if I YouTube is Hollywood, not I Hollywood. Say, yeah, YouTube is not Hollywood. That's like you know a lot of uh, stuff on there. I, I don't know. I, I disagree because there's some real theatrical quality stuff that just didn't have the budget to buy the theater time or even go straight to DVD because they wanted more money than the okay. Netflix or whoever was willing to pay. And they said, you know, let's just put it up on YouTube because we've already made it. We're not going to get our money back out of it, so might as well make it available to the most people because it was made oh, out of passion. Yeah, the documentary. Well, look, you know, a perfect example of a documentary that was directly for the Internet and didn't come out in theaters, and it's made a killing. It's made a lot of uh, money for the person who put it together. And uh, he's doing very well with his website is uh, Zeitgeist. Oh, yeah. The Zeitgeist Films. He's, he put three oh, on yeah. there, and uh, this was uh, stuff that he put on the Internet for free. Then he started selling copies off the website. Uh, he pressed his own copies, and he's made a lot of money doing that. And is all self-financed. I mean, but, I mean, getting back to this guy's question, I mean, is, which is what I was trying to get at, is was he asking about Hollywood movies or documentaries? Caller, uh, Hollywood or documentaries or... 
Uh, I think the caller might have left us. Uh, yeah, I think he hung up. Oh, he's gone. Yeah. If it was Hollywood, I would say Fight the Future. I think the X-Files one. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think there's very many films that really are great in this genre, really. But uh, And then you got to go with classics like Close Encounters in 2001, I think, were great. But uh, otherwise, I think, uh, unfortunately... Well, how you bad know, do they, in your opinion, things. how bad do they mangle the fourth kind? No, oh, terribly, really yeah. bad. And I think what I get so upset about, that one does make me really angry. And it makes me really upset because, you know, they they portray it as real. And the actors even start off at the beginning saying, this is all real. Right. And it's not. And from what I understand, I thought I read that... Uh, the actors weren't too happy about that because they were told it was, and then later on they found yeah. out it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it, they, you know, going out there and just flat out lying to people for marketing. Marketing is lying, unfortunately, and this was really blatant. Um, but uh, I thought it was terrible because, it, and it certainly does not represent um, even what really people report. So uh, even if it was close that way, that would have been nice. But, uh, yeah, I was extremely, I think it's one of the biggest, uh, a huge disappointment. Uh, just, uh, I can't say enough about how much I'm disgusted by it. <laughs> well, i, I, I got to ask a question about the movie. I mean, do you think it's based on anything? Is anything of it based on real um, possible even hearsay. I mean, I found it interesting. I'm curious to find out who put it all together where, you know, I, I watched that movie actually just a couple of months ago again. And it's like they're talking about a language that has never been heard before or yeah. heard, has been spoken. Yeah, in, like how much of the actual information was actually accurate? That, you know, yeah, like, like they, practically nothing. I mean, it's crap. I mean, <laughs> all of that, they, they mixed in a lot of different paranormal things like channeling and and, you know, speaking in tongues and, you know, a lot of possession type of stuff, hovering right. over beds and crap like this. And then they mix in Sitchin because they even referred to Sitchin's yeah. books. They even yep. showed his books but didn't give him credit. We actually watched the credits at the end because uh, we went, you know, to, to write a story on it for the magazine and stuff. And uh, they didn't even give him credit. Um, but it was definitely the pages of his books that they showed. So, uh, you know, uh, it was a mishmash of stuff. I mean, that they included Sitchin at all is at least a little bit of uh, research. But uh, for the most part, you know, very little, very, very little. I mean, the way, the way I was connect no offense, but the way I was connecting the channeling thing is, you know, with so many people claiming that they have implants, I was thinking maybe that's a receiver that they didn't find in an x-ray, and that's how they, in the movie, they were, that's how whatever it was out there was communicating with, you know, Well, that through. would be something. Maybe you can help them with uh, the script for the, uh, <laughs> the follow-up movie, because um, that would at least then in inject some... It would make you know, some coherent sense to me. It would make yeah. some coherent sense then. By the way, Alejandro, yeah, we have uh, we have that caller back on the line. I guess his phone uh, is working again. He, you want to ask him again if he meant Hollywood or documentaries? Oh yeah, were you meaning Hollywood or documentaries? <laughs> <laughs> caller, you're back um, on the yeah, line. It was, yeah, it was. Uh, any, well, any type of movie, really, uh, or uh, I guess a movie or a documentary. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, because there's a lot of stuff on YouTube, like you guys were saying, that are um, that are valid. 
but then yeah. there are a lot of stuff that is not <laughs> what like there are what is bogus on YouTube. So you sort of have to like look at everything and uh, sort of try to pick up out the pile what you think is is more like I guess. Yeah. Well, you should scrutinize everything. Everything you see on YouTube, you should scrutinize it a little bit because you know that's put together by yeah. people. You know, by average folks. They're maybe into the subject. Yeah. Some of them might be a little loony. Some of them might yeah. be onto something real. Some of them might actually have some uh, leaked uh, footage from uh, yeah. Area Fifty One. You know, we don't know. But the thing yeah. is, uh, you know, you got to take everything with a grain of salt that you find on YouTube. Unfortunately, you know yeah. what? But uh, not just to be completely self-serving. But it's also to gr- to bring some attention to someone who I think is does a great job, uh, and that's our video editor, editor Michael Klein. Um, you know, we do a lot of videos, and yeah. there are many documentaries on China and Peru and important sightings and MJ-12 documents and Richard Doty and all this other stuff. And um, I think, you know, Open Minds, TV is a channel on YouTube where you can find all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because I'm involved with it, but it's also because, you know, Michael Klein, our video guy, he's pretty much our video department, and he does an awesome job. Before him, there's a guy, Tom Ruffin. We had two guys in there, and Tom was spectacular as well. But they do some amazing and great work. I mean, we do the easy part, just talking and everything, and they edit everything together put together graphics and everything. And I kind of feel that uh, sometimes uh, we don't, those videos don't get the credit that uh, they deserve. They're really great. And I think uh, I feel that, you know, there's a lot of research put into those. So those are those are somewhere where I would send people. But otherwise, you know, right now it's hard to come to mind. There's been so many really good ones. But, uh, of course, uh, James Fox, he, he's been... You know, I think really great work um, yeah, with uh, Out of the Blue. And, yeah, I was uh, amazed at that. There's a lot of other ones, though, but I, I'm so terrible with names. I can't. I, I'm <laughs> just really bad that way. Um, so, but, you yeah. know, we do a film festival at our conference and we give away uh, awards for the best documentaries and uh, we do a People's Choice where people choose that, too. So, you can always just well, kind of cool. uh, do a Google search for EBE Awards and you'll find, uh, or EBE Award winner, and you'll find a bunch of really good ones. Um, I know a Disclosure Dialogues, uh, those have won some. Those are done by Jennifer Stein. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does great work. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Caller, any, uh, uh, any more questions for yeah, Alejandro? Uh, yeah, um because I was actually, I'm, I'm actually thinking about going to college, uh, some sort of like studying a film, uh, but I, I don't know. I kind of been debating it because there's so many people that say not to go to film. But I mean, I think like the easiest way to get into the film type of business, or not even business, but social um, life of yeah. film. Where do you the live? Film industry, uh, uh, Fresno, California. Oh, cool. Yeah, I would not dissuade anybody from doing it. I mean, and I think, you know, speaking of film, to, to me, I've always been fascinated, and, and I write about him quite a bit with Steven Spielberg. Um, he's amazing. I love his movies, but he's also a huge UFO buff. And, yeah. and even talking about alien abduction, 
he did a whole mini-series called Taken that was yes. all based off of research. He yep. is a he is very, very well-versed in this field. And if you watch the videos, The Making of Taken, he talks about all of this stuff. He talks about implants. It sounds like he's a guy that would be at the UFO Congress lecturing when he's talking about putting together that movie. Yeah, he um, researched it quite well. That was the one with Matthew and, and all Dakota Fanning. Like that. Yep. Close Encounters is, uh, you know, like that. It was all based off of, you know, Blue Book files and, yep. and with uh, Blue Book uh, and consultant, you know, J. Allen Hynek. So, yeah, he's an example, Spielberg. And, of course, uh, he's getting older. So uh, I don't think that anybody would object to being the new next Spielberg. So. That's not a bad goal to have. <laughs> no. You know what's yeah. a great series also, even though you might enjoy this, Caller, uh, if you haven't, uh, check out, it was only one season, Dark Skies. Yeah. Oh, wow, that was a great series. Now, if you want to see something that could very well be true, uh, this could be exactly what's going on with uh, the whole uh, ufology mystery. Uh, that could be exactly what it is. I mean, that series was fantastic. Uh, it was a, a, an unfortunate thing that it came out, you know, right as the X Files came out and blew up. So nobody was looking on, you know, I think it was NBC that was playing this. Uh, but it was a great series, man. It ran for one season, but yeah. it actually feels like one long movie when you watch it. Just a phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal series. Uh, Caller, thanks for calling. Can I in. always say this? Oh, I was going to okay. say, just one more movie I love to plug, too, oh, is the Paul yeah. David's movie on uh, Roswell, which was a Showtime special. It's kind of hard to find. Yeah. but yeah. Uh, Was know, that the one uh, that Martin like, Sheen was in? Yeah, Martin Sheen yep. and Kyle McLaughlin. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's on Netflix yep. now, actually, I believe. It is, oh, yeah. it is. Great. I believe it is, yeah. That's a great movie, too. Thanks again, thanks again Caller, for uh, really joining the, joining the uh, show here on Skywatchers. Appreciate your call. Uh, you know, I wanted to get to one article that I think uh, Jason uh, might have posted on Open Minds that I want to ask you about mm -hmm. uh, because it was a very interesting uh, video, and uh, it was with Lee Spiegel and Richard Hoover. Uh, it has to do with uh, the Martian uh, life, Martian meteorite uh, that showed uh, likelihood of Martian life. And um, Richard Hoover is very adamant that, that he found Martian life. This is proof. I mean, definitive is the word. Yeah, we had him at our Congress, UFO Congress, last year, and he spoke about this. And um, he uh, then did that interview with Lee Spiegel, and that really took off. That was huge. So Jason was able to reuse that video in the story today um, just because, you know, yeah, Hoover is saying, and there are other scientists besides him that say this. In fact, he's working with a group of scientists, um, one of them, is also mentioned in, in Jason's story, who uh, is uh, kind of the, the lead head guy out there uh, championing this idea. But Hoover, I think, really clarified it and kind of stuck his neck out there when he did that interview with Lee Spiegel. But he's saying that, yeah, these guys are NASA astrobiologists. Uh, Hoover is now retired, but uh, he did work, uh, and he was a lead of a group. Um, some people kind of question his credentials, but his credentials are titanium, they're bulletproof. And he says that we do have evidence, that there's been evidence a couple of times that they have found um, that in his mind is absolute proof of microbial life um, on Mars and, and uh, right. specifically. So I think that... Uh, 
you know, that is really important. And I think people kind of uh, also don't understand that these things are not set in stone. So, like, that Martian rock story, you know, when Clinton came out and said they found extraterrestrial life and then later it kind of got debunked, it wasn't fully debunked. Not all scientists agree that it was debunked. Hoover's one of them, a very, you know, um, prestigious scientist who says, no, that wasn't debunked, that was life. Mm -hmm. So it it isn't a foregone conclusion that we haven't found it yet. But, uh, you know, you got to look for that uh, piece of evidence that meets that critical mass where, you know, you have enough of a majority of scientists agreeing that uh, it is proof. So, uh, yeah, that interview is really exciting, and it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. And he's going so far as to say... He thinks that uh, some of the scientists kind of shoved some of the evidence aside because they just didn't uh, like the like what it was where it was going. My thing is, why isn't uh, you know why isn't science uh, you know more up to speed with Mars as it is already with all the times that we've gone up there and why isn't this information getting out there? I, I think that they're not trying. Look, he's a NASA insider, and I don't think they're trying to give him any credibility because. Obviously, they're, they they want this to stay hidden, uh, but I'm pretty sure that he's not the only one that knows what's up there on Mars, and it's just uh, he's the only one that's coming out and coming forward with it. Uh, but you know, what would be the holdup to just announce that they officially have found microbial life? I mean, this is not like ETs running around; it's microbial past life, perhaps. What do you think? That it's, well, it's just a holdup. Uh, I I don't think it is a conspiracy. Personally, I think it's just a disagreement. Um, I think that a lot of people. Uh, just, you know... It's I mean, the way he describes the findings, though, it's pretty clear what he, you know, what well, he thinks he Well, he describes it, but then yeah. when you hear the other side... And <laughs> That's the problem. To people from the other side, they, you know... And it, it, this stuff goes over my head, so they describe it how, oh, no, this is right because of the blood blue and the bitty blah, don't do the bitty boot, you know, and it's like, that. okay... So all you can do is rely on the experts because uh, it's so very technical. But uh, what's gr- exciting about Hoover is he is, uh, you know, highly credentialed and he's one of the top experts. So um, he's certainly one of the people you would expect to hear from uh, and that NASA would showcase, you know, if there was a consensus that that was. But what, what's great is it, it holds it open and it shows the questions still out there. And uh, that's how science really is. I think a lot of people kind of want to bury their head and, mm-hmm. and not really look at the scientific community uh, because they feel it's all corrupt and everything. But if you look at the scientific community, there's rarely a consensus on anything. I mean, look at all the drugs or the pills or anything out there. Uh, you know, there's always two sides or three sides or four sides. If you look at the higgs boson until mm-hmm. that was discovered, there were a big group of people who didn't believe in that. When it gets to dark matter, which is a funny thing because we throw that term out there so much, not all scientists believe in dark matter. The woman who discovered the Earth, that the, the universe was expanding, which was, you know, the reason why they thought, oh, there must be something else out there. It must be right. dark matter. She said, no, there's no such thing as dark matter. She didn't believe in it. Uh, the nature of what dark matter might be is completely debated, and if it exists at all, so... Um, everything is, is completely debated. So right. that's, that's what true. makes me laugh when we talk about UFOs or the, the extraterrestrial hypothesis or something, and it's laughed at. Well, 
you know what? Dark matter isn't proven. Dark matter is just a theory out there. No one's seen it. Um, nobody knows exactly what properties it has. It's a guess that, uh, <sighs> yeah. you know, we don't wait, know wait, But haven't they what... been able to measure it, measure some type of dark matter recently? They've been they... able to measure certain things that lead to there being something like that out there, but not necessarily proving that there is one answer to this. Some people think there could be multiple answers out there. There could be lots of stuff out there. Um, okay, so they can measure the effects of dark matter, but they can't actually measure Well, it's kind of like gravity. We, we really don't understand gravity completely. We can measure it. We know when you hold a apple up and you drop it, it falls to the ground, but we don't necessarily know why. Um, there are even some scientists, the, the conventional theory is that the Earth is pooling the apple, but some scientists are saying, no, out in space is pushing the apple. Right. Um, so there's most things, I mean, we, we like to think we know so much, but uh, we don't know a lot of stuff, and, uh, and science is like that. So uh, it could be, uh, and Hoover certainly very convincing, and uh, the question seems to be open so long. That's what's really interesting when you look at some of these things, like dark matter or even some cold fusion experiments. They say, no, that's not cold fusion. No, Hoover, you know, that isn't life. But they cannot definitively prove otherwise either. My my um, thing is, uh, why, so, you know, if Hoover is so adamant about, you know, what his findings are, uh, why haven't others in the scientific community uh, come at his, de- you know, to his defense or have any come to his defense? Well, they have. They have. And okay. that's what I mentioned, is that there is a large, or, or there are organizations, uh, ah, okay. such as I think it's the University of Alabama, that, and they're partnered up with a uh, actually uh, scientists in uh, London or in England um, that uh, have really championed this. In fact, they're the leads on all of this. So there is a group of scientists. In fact, they have their own journal uh, on this topic where they, they post a lot of different things. So um, I think his name is Chandra. That's what it is. Uh, I can't remember his first name, but his last name is Chandra. But uh, if you look at Jason's story, uh, or if you look at the video or the original story for that video on Hoover also, you'll find, or, you know, we, we talk about these guys a lot, mm. because they're making these claims quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, Chandra talked about how he, this was an interesting experiment they, didn't, they did not too long ago, where they launched balloons up into the stratosphere, and they had a device up there that opened up and then closed. When the device came back, they then measured to see what they got, and they got living organisms there. Um, Chandra's Mm -hmm. argument, and even some scientists have agreed that life can't make it up there. Even if there's a big explosion or something, you know, it can't, that's too high, um, (coughs) according to our physics, for microbes to get to. So those couldn't have been Earth microbes. Those had to have been from space. And Chandra's theory is that these are like, you know, maybe clouds of these microbes that float through space that came into our atmosphere. Um, this was during I mean, a meteor shower. So Maybe that's how life is seeded on the planets. Shower. Maybe that's how life yeah. is seeded on planets, through the microbes exactly. that just fall down on, on the planet itself. Yep. So this is Chandra's experiment. And then, of course, even more recent, and I'm going to write an update to this tomorrow, mm. is the uh, Russians saying that they scraped some gunk off of the space station and they found that there were some, what they believed to be plankton there, um, and that it was thriving. So, 
I mean, if we find out that life can hitchhike on yep. the ISS and then live and thrive in space, I mean, any of that's possible. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, and, and I'm, th- I'm, I'm thinking with that one. Deep. I'll tell you, I'm thinking with that one that probably uh, the evaporation in the sea probably took the plankton up along with the evaporation from the sea, which ended up Possibly. in high altitude and somehow brushed up against the uh, ISS. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is that they've really been up there for so long and have survived. Yeah. Uh, that one's questioned by NASA still. They're still looking at some uh, information, but... Uh, what, what, plankton can't be an extremophile? Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's what the are. argument, yeah. but, uh, you know, NASA is just saying we need to see more data and, and hear more oh, about this. Uh, NASA Russia has not data. released that data yet. But an uh, interesting story I'm posting tomorrow is that a German uh, UFO and kind of paranormal and other uh, kind of uh, extreme science kind of uh, researcher, he got a quote from their um, space organization, which did say that they did find uh, bacterial DNA, um, that the, that's what the Russians found, and I guess this is, a, you know, they should know because they have one of their astronauts up there too. Um, but that their instruments are not able to determine uh, exactly what this bacteria is, if it is plankton, or if it thrived. Um, they, but they were able to show that it was um, bacterial DNA. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's just terribly, terribly interesting. Um, it's interesting that one of the things that this always reminds me of is a... a astrobiologist who had uh, I interviewed and he was kind of a religious guy but he he wanted to remind me that the question of life is still wholly open in that we yeah. have no idea how the genesis of life happens and that yeah. um, we don't have a demonstration of life boom you know appearing right on earth at all so we don't know at all that life started here. Yeah, on Earth. I mean, and it's, every it's, scientific, uh, you know, theories like the Big Bang. That's a theory. There's like, there's no real proof, one hundred percent concrete, to just about anything. Uh, we think that's right. how everything, you know, it, it happened. It just one bang billions of years ago. But really, there, there, there's proof for it and against it. But it's like everything in science, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Well, and he even has a good point. He's like, if life started here on Earth, why did it only happen once? Right. Why well, hasn't it happened before? You know, ha- happened well, again. Yeah. Well, it did, um, well, it means well. If he's talking just about Earth or uh, like in our solar system. No, he's talking about the the you know um, minerals coming together and life spawning from some mixture right. of uh, you know the the right chemistry coming together and, and spawning life. You because know, someone somewhere stirred the mix together. <laughs> Somebody someone, had a giant someone, spoon. Someone somewhere Some stirred the mix together. Jumped okay. into the river after he took a potion and dissolved his body, and then many years later, exactly many years later, they made a movie about it. Alejandro, we're almost out of time yeah. for the segment, man. It, it's always fun having you on. Yeah, and uh, you know, thanks for uh, for being on with us. I know it was kind of last minute and. Uh, last week we were supposed no to have problem. you on, and, and we had an issue. One more piece of news. Can I throw this one out there? Go for it. This is really exciting. The UFO Congress, uh, I think I mentioned yes. this last night, 
We got in the Guinness World Records as the biggest UFO conference. This is cool. Yeah. Congrats. How I many people cool, showed up? Huh? That is awesome. How many people We have came over 2,000. It's usually between. Excellent. This last time we had the largest is probably around 2,500. I say probably because we get a lot of local foot traffic. Um, some of them just even just go through the vendor area, so it's hard to track that. But the reason we know it was bigger is that we had more attendance in the conference room, and uh, it was, you know, packed. I mean, it's usually standing room only in some, some talks. Not all of them, but uh, we had more of that than usual. So, um, yeah, it's a really exciting. And, in fact, Huffington Post is going to have a story up on that tomorrow, I think. Very cool. That is awesome news. Yeah, absolutely. uh, The next conference is when again? Uh, Give us the date again for the next conference. February 18th to the 22nd. You can go to ufocongress.com to see more or go to openminds.tv. And uh, Angel's going to be there hanging out, right? Both I of will, you guys. I will be there. I don't know about Alan. Alan, you're going to make it? or? Uh, at that time yeah. of the year, I actually have some free downtime t- now that you Yeah, you told me, it. Alan. There you, you go. You think you can make it. I remember last time you said that. So, I, yeah, you can hold me you up to You guys got to be there. Alejandro, it's you so can hold me up to out. Absolutely. Plus, you guys get to talk to more people that you can interview, and yep. then you get to talk to them at length. Uh, if either of you are single, there are lots of people that hook up at this thing. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Ooh, With like-minded people. There you go. That's what I need. I need a checkers yeah, into ufology. Yeah, I got to go check yeah. the website now to see photos of the women from last year. There you go. Yeah, Angel and I were just talking about that. About um, That's what I'm know, looking for. A girl who believes in UFOs. I'm so yeah. envious. I'm so envious of you, man. Let me tell you. Then I found a UFO woman. He's found we, a good one. He's found a gonna, keeper. We're going to make a shirt for you that says, that says you're looking forward to being probed. <laughs> we sh- 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 uh, the shirt's going to say, I want to be abducted by you if you're cute, and I can't wait to be probed. There you go. That's perfect. There you go. Guys, smell like hotcakes at the conference too. <laughs> we got it. We got to take off. Uh, we have uh, Robert Morningstar waiting in the hot wings to join us in a few minutes here on the other side. Uh, Alejandro, thank you so much again for uh, being on with us in the first segment, my friend. Yeah, You're great awesome. talking thank to you. Thank you guys. Tell Robert hi for me. I will do that, and we'll have you back on uh, next week uh, to talk more news. Good. We'll be back, everybody, with Mister Robert Morningstar, and we got some big announcements, <laughs> by the way. With Robert Morningstar. You goes down and it feeds on water. I walk a stone and I feel the power. The hills have eyes and are coming true. I doubt the stars will ever move. Give a place to all you can. Decision wakes the
professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Between science and ignorance, there is filler. Thank you, random British guy. I am Wes Forsyth, the host of Paranormal Filler. Paranormal Filler is my weekly radio show where I explore many areas of the paranormal while trying to keep a balance between believer and skeptic. No topic is off limits. No viewpoint is silenced. Paranormal Filler on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. The UFOstore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. The UFOstore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the internet. You're listening to PSN Radio, the best in talk radio anywhere on the Internet.
Alright everybody, we're back on Skywatchers Radio right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and of course, as always, PSN Radio and with us for the second hour of the show, the really a man that needs no introduction. He's been on the show many times and uh, he's been on my other show a few times and he's a good friend. Love having him on. He's one of my favorite guests to have on the show. Mr. Robert Morningstar himself. Robert, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thanks, Angel. It's great to be back and it's uh, been a very eventful summer. It has, and we have uh, some really interesting stuff to go over. Uh, you sent me a couple of things on Facebook earlier tonight that uh, really got me going a little bit. Uh, one in particular, which we're going to talk about in a minute here, is uh, Crater on the Moon, which right. looks like it It looks uh, like there's something there, some buildings, some structures, and uh, there's that one, and uh, of course... Uh, the other ones that we talked about, um, the UFO in space, uh, there's even a crystal. You sent me a picture of what looked like a crystallized object in, or UFO, which looked really weird also. But where do you want to start off tonight? Uh, you know, let, let's catch up. Where do you want to start? Where do you want to begin? And by the well, way, uh, everybody who's listening uh, can, uh, you know, follow along here by going to our Twitter account. Uh, find Skywatchers Radio on Twitter. I've tweeted out all the videos we're going to talk about, so you can follow along. It's also on the Facebook event page and the Facebook page. Skywatchers Radio, just look for it. You'll find it. And uh, So where, where are we going to start off here, Robert? Well, I'd like to start off with uh, you know, just a little brief uh, review of uh, what happened uh, during the summer. Since our last talk, we were on uh, June 3rd, I recall. Right. And uh, in preparation for the secret space program mm-hmm. that I was uh, attending uh, June 28th and 29th in San Mateo. And that was a great event, actually. I was very honored to be uh, on the same stage with Richard Dolan and Joseph Farrell, who's talked about the, um, the Nazi bell and uh, a lot of other things. Uh, John Rappaport, Michael uh, Schratt, uh, Mark McCandlish. Uh, it was a pretty comprehensive uh, uh, conference. Uh, dealt with everything from where did the money go, the stealing of $40 trillion, funneling it into black projects. Uh, this talk by Catherine Austin Fitz. And then um, Dr. Carol Rosen addressed uh, the conference on... Uh, the need to keep uh, weaponization out of outer space, to keep outer space a peaceful territory. And so I was very proud to be there, and I showed the the moon towers that I discovered in May, the constellation of space stations, and uh, the moon racer, which is one of, I think I sent you two photos of that kind, that craft. Right. That I found in the. In That's the, one that kind of looks like it's crystallized, or it looks like a crystal ship. That's what you're talking about, right? Uh, yeah, crystal ship is a good description. It looks okay. like ice. It, it looks right. It's got a scimitar wing, uh, a truss-like uh, structure, cross beams. But the remarkable thing about it is it's not symmetrical. It uh, it's got it's got um, a fuselage, a center fuselage and two outriggers, I would call them. It's kind of like an outrigger canoe, but with a canoe only on one side. The other side looks like um, antennas and uh, antennas and uh, electromagnetic gadgetry. And from the appearance of this thing in the film, it's clear that it's not a reactive motor uh, propulsion. It's not burning anything. It's just zipping along 
on uh, gravity lines. It's, it's quite remarkable, and, but it's not the only photograph. This is one of uh, four that I've found, a similar craft, that seem to have buzzed uh, Apollo 15, uh, Apollo 16, and Apollo 11. And there are several photographs, um, each from these different missions, but they show objects that have the similar structure and similar construction, if not being, if not the identical craft themselves. But you know how it is. The United States has thousands of F-16s and variations of them. Right. So they're they're built on a particular design. But each of them, all of them, seem to be uh, non-reactive uh, propulsion, non-reactive thrust craft. There's no smoke. There's no burning of anything. No trail. Um, so it's very exciting to to come upon these things after so many years of uh, their being kept in the dark. Now, any information uh, how you got your hands on this material? Oh, That's just this... diving in, diving into archives. People sending it to me. I have I have a network of um, people. I you know I describe myself as a civilian intelligence analyst. And there are scores of others who are doing uh, similar work and really good work. And I'd like to mention a few people. You can go to YouTube and look at the work of Luna Cognita. A lot, uh, you know, these people, they're really, uh, they want to be anonymous. I respect that. So they take on names and handles. And Luna Incognita is one of them. And I've uh, derived quite a lot of uh, knowledge information from uh, Luna Luna incognita. Luna cognita. I'm sorry, I, I mispronounced it. Luna cognita. <laughs> Luna cognita well, means the known moon, knowing the moon or the known moon. Incognita. Welcome to my world of mispronunciations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, there's so many, and then there's secure team. Secure team on uh, YouTube has a lot of interesting, fascinating videos. Oh yeah, I've seen a good number of those. And, and then there's Dark Sky Watcher seventy four. Um, whom I'd like to say hi to. He's he's uh, he's been going through a little bit of illness. I've I've understood from somebody that knows him directly, and um, I wish him the best because uh, he's put out some really really good video. Of uh, can I UFOs. comment on one of those videos? Sure, go ahead. I, I, I'm looking at the video that we put up um, about that secret uh, UFO footage smuggled out of Area 51, and I'm noticing, you know, it's three orbs that are making a flying pattern mm-hmm. around Area 51 that right. seems to form a nice, unique triangle. I'm yep. just, at a sheer theory here, I'm just wondering, what are the odds of that being one of these mysterious triangles just being cloaked or optical camouflage, or is it actually three distinct objects? Very oh, I think interesting de- I, I think it's definitely three distinct objects because as you study it, when they, I know it's, um, there's a lot of action going on and you have to really, Spend time with it. When but it's banking and turning, the angles are still the oh, same. Oh yeah, no, no. By the, actually, by the way, if you look, uh, the, if you look the video we were talking about, real quick. By the way, the video we're talking about is uh, banned secret UFO footage smuggled out of Area 51. Right. Uh, it's on right. the Twitter. If you guys want to look at the video, lower the volume, keep listening to us, uh, but you can follow along. Go ahead, Robert. Right. I was going to say, if you really look closely, when they get into that silent mode and they slow them down, and you track them, you'll see that they actually maneuver, change position. 
and uh, altitude. But isn't one it them, changing? Isn't it changing respective of, of where the where they are? Uh, uh, they're they're changing in relationship filled? to each other, and one of them actually seems to drop down way low and pass between two tanks. There are two giant oh, tanks. Maybe. Take a look at that. That's, this is where you know I thought the formation was very very tight. I mean, I'm looking at the horizontal and vertical plane, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's like it looks like it's realistically possibly one solid object. No, just I, I see what Robert is saying. I mean, I'm looking at the video now, and it really does look like it. There's parts of it that it looks like it moves. Yeah, it looks like it's it looks like it's flying in a circle down. around the the base, which I means the angle track. keeps on. Okay, no, the, but the the thing is, uh, the angle's changing on her. Yeah, but on, the, 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 well, the angle is changing, but also not only is the angle changing. At one point, it looks like two of the lights are getting closer together while it's yeah. still on the same flight pattern. Uh, yeah. that would that would tell me that they're yeah they're very it's a very tight formation, but there's some moments that it's another one that drops. Yeah. It drops between the tanks, mm-hmm. and you know what it looks like to me. Uh, yeah, okay, I see. It just went through the tanks. You I see, see what you're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah. Really yeah, yeah, amazing. yeah. Okay, yeah. and uh, that's why it, it gave me the impression that we were watching uh, some kind of uh, low altitude strafing maneuvers, objects that are capable of you know zipping in and going really low, close to the ground, more like uh, you know fighters, uh, anti tank, anti tank aircraft. Well, you know, it says, well, was it from 89? Could that have been like our first that's generation 89, of drones? Yeah, that's the end of the Reagan era. So, uh, is that, and, uh, is that a first generation I, of drones? Could be. I'll tell you the other reason I believe that it's authentic is that I've seen exactly those type of crafts several times over here in New York. They've uh, flown by my uh, my vantage point over there on the Hudson River. I teach Tai Chi over here in Riverside Park uh, for years and years and years, and uh, I have had uh, sightings of those. I call them uh, white pearl UFOs. Funny as it is, I was just in New Rochelle the other month. Huh. Oh, should've yeah. Stopped well, yeah should have stopped by. <laughs> I have a friend. Uh, anytime, if you're in New York, give me a call if you're coming in. But I have a friend up there, Nick Zach, who heard me on Coast to Coast, and he contacted me with some amazing videos that uh, that he's taken up there in Westchester, in um, Yonkers, Westchester, New Rochelle, and uh, they're quite remarkable. They there was one. He's got a really great eye and he's got a really steady hand. I can't believe he's that steady, but he is with his uh, iPhone. And he got a UFO. He said he saw it streaking up from north from south to north. That was the first thing. He thought at first it was a shooting star, shooting from south to north. And then when it was overhead, he saw it just stop still. And so that's when he grabbed his his uh, iPhone camera, and he started videoing it, and then uh, tracked it, and it descended, and it descended. And you can hear him and his girlfriend, um, an angelic intuitive, as he describes her, discussing right. it coming down and coming down, and then you see the treetop appear, and she says, look, it looks like it's going to go behind the tree, and at the moment that she said that, it stopped dead in its flight, and then followed the contour, the outer contour of the tree, and then went off along uh, two arbors, as if it heard her say it, and stopped and accommodated his uh, videography by staying in view until it just went away. It was a really impressive. Sorry, that uh, sounds way too Schrodinger's cat to me. 
Uh, well, Schrodinger's <laughs> cat is all over the place. <laughs> you know, we have to get used to it. <laughs> no, I mean, you, I've, always, you know, I've always thought about Schrodinger's cat when they say, you know, this cat, is he dead or is he alive? I say, well, if the box is made of cardboard, I can tell you. <laughs> Well, I mean, I I'm, 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 the way the, the reason I threw that in is like, so as soon as someone actually acknowledged and said that it existed, it changed its habit and pattern. Yes, but it seemed to uh, to in response exactly. Well, you know that she was she was worried they were going to lose it behind the tree, and then it just it seemed it was instantaneous. And right, uh, she she acknowledged yeah, but, its existence, and yeah. then. And then a lot of people up there in uh, Westchester, you know, they keep their eyes to the sky. And this is part of this network that I'm talking about, that uh, when we share information, we experience what I call cross-pollination of information, you know, like the bees. Right. Fertilize one flower. So we do the same thing. When we share knowledge with each other, uh, often we provide complementary knowledge, which I mean not, not a good boy, out of boy, it's like the complement, the other part that fits, the missing piece in, in the uh, uh, body of knowledge that you had. So I'm always uh, for open uh, open sharing of information um, within within limits, you know, with right the right people. Because, well, we can't give uh, away all our secrets. Right, right, but then there are other people that who, who want to get your information just so they can uh, debunk it and turn it and ridicule it. And you have to be careful, because I've got two trolls on Facebook right now who, who have been, you know, <laughs> snarking, snarking away. But, you know, it's really fun. Only Some two? Folks. I got like a dozen. It's okay, I got an elf and a warlock. It's a fluctuation, but there's two that regular guys... But uh, the funny thing is some people, you know, take these guys as a nuisance and a pest, and they are, but they can also be fun. I like to engage and... Uh, well, let me ask you a question about about some of the, the sources that, that you have, um, you know, some of these folks on YouTube and stuff. I mean, how credible is some of this information uh, when it comes to the background? Uh, have you done background research, like, on this Area 51 I don't, video? I don't know. I, I look example. at the video, and I analyze it for myself. Based on my own expertise, and you know, I I've been ma- I started making film, eight millimeter film, when I was mm-hmm. uh, ten years old, eleven years old. Got so you're the one that made that movie that Spielberg <laughs> had something to do with. <laughs> no, no, I just I'm, I'm good at analyzing movies. You know, one of uh, pardon the expression, one of my claims to fame is that I exposed the doctoring of the Zapruder film. That the Zapruder right. film was a consciously engineered mass hallucination. And the good news that I'd like to announce on your show tonight is that through the through, a, through an act of God, uh, somebody leaked um, a working copy of the Zapruder film, and by that I mean that the Zapruder film was worked over and worked over and worked mm. over for years, at least five years before the public got to see it. All these wow, people okay. think that this thing had to be done overnight and everybody, and that it was impossible. No, they worked methodically for five years before they dared show it on CBS when the famous Dan Rather report, when he misrepresented what actually happened because they stopped the film right at the frame before the head shot and the head exploding. And Dan Rather uh, misreported uh, the direction of the president's head. He said he was thrown violently forward. 
and nowhere do you see him thrown violently forward in, in the film, you know? Right. Well, there anyway, was a magic what, bullet that did that. Well, well yeah, well, magic bullet, jet fuck, Love magic. The jet, the jet effect, the jiggle analysis, all hokum. Friends, I'm telling you, I have received a copy of the Zapruder film that has the missing frames of the shots at the grassy knoll. Now, why is that not on YouTube already? Why not? Because uh, who knows if it isn't or it isn't. I'm just telling you that I got it. And I'm telling you that it's uh, legit. And uh, in November, between now and November 22nd, um, I'm going to share it with the world and uh, show these missing frames. And it was clearly two shots that killed him at the grassy knoll. Now, the trick of the Zapruder film is that five shots, at least five shots, hit the man. One between the shoulder blades, one in the throat, and three shots. One skimmed off his, the top of his head as Z-295. It left a vapor trail, which was one of the first things I found. And then the, the, the mortal wounds at the grassy knoll were two shots. Now, how do you force true the magic bullet theory when you have a film that shows five shots uh, striking? Well, what you do is you take out the space between sh two shots that are close to each other. So, in this case, what I've discovered, and I've always known it, I described this long before I found the, uh, found the film. The first shot at the grassy knoll came from the the right side, it was standing near Zapruder's position, and so this was a steep angle down. It hit the forehead and opened up the forehead. It hit the cranium or hit the brain pan, the bottom of the, the skull, and bounced up, and that's called the Harper fragment. The fragment went across the street. So imagine a V, right? Comes down, whoop, V, boom, boom, and the other piece flies off. Now, about a second to a second and a half or a second and a quarter later, the second shot was fired and it entered the already open wound passed straight through from front to back and took out the back of the skull and that's the piece that Jackie jumped out to get right. now how you cover it up is you take out the frames okay let's say it's one second apart and if you believe the FBI or Zapruder was shooting at uh, 18 frames per second if you believe Zapruder he was shooting at 24 frames per second because that's what he told the Warren Commission so what you do is you show the first shot, the head opening up and exploding, and then you cut out the space of time between that moment and the arrival and the passage of the second shot. So you removed how many frames? If it's one second and it was 18 frames per second, 18 frames were removed. So you don't see the lag in time between the arrival of the first shot and the second shot. It's been removed. It's literally missing time in the Zapruder film. The same wow. way we use the term amazing. UFO abductions. Well, there's a lot of missing time in the Zapruder film. And that's what I was able to disassemble in 1992, 93 to 96 and 98 when I traveled all over. I went to Chicago. I went to Providence. I went to Dallas three times. And we had a huge brainstorming session in 1996 in Dallas, attended by Jim Mars and Dr. David Mantic and Roy Schaefer and Jim Fetzer and Neil Twyman and uh, Jack White, all these really great researchers that had been studying the film for years. But I was the first one to stand on the stage before 700, 800 people and say, friends, 
you've been studying a tainted document. You've devoted 30 years, it was 1992-93, you've devoted 30 years to trying to make sense out of a consciously engineered mass hallucination from which about 10 feet of film has been removed. So that started it, and then everybody picked up the ball, and they all, you know, Jim Fetzer wrote two books on it, documentic lectures on it, optical illusions, magnifications, subliminal things, you know, to distractions. But I think the uh, the cat is out of the bag, and uh, after November 22nd this year, and uh, people get to study the, this this little snippet of film is, is remarkable. And it shows that the only hero in Dealey Plaza that day was Jackie Kennedy. And Jackie Kennedy is the most slandered and libeled mm. person in the whole scene. And really not... And, and it's not justified at all because she did not... Because of the doctoring of the film. The doctoring of the film, the removal of the frames. Because it's not just that part that's been removed, actually. Mm. It's not just the part between the arrival of the bullets. What's been removed are her reactions. It's amazing. She sidled over to Jack. She heard him. She said she had terrible gurgling noises. She turned... She she sidled over to him, put her arm around his shoulder, and was just saying, Jack, what's wrong? And at the moment that she did that, she was looking him right in the face. The first ex- head, bullet hit, exploding his head. She squints and closed her eyes in the spray of the brain and the blood. Then she opened her eyes, and the second bullet went through, almost took off her arm. Imagine she's got her arm around his shoulder, his neck. Right. And the bullet passes through the base of his skull. And you want to know something? Her reaction was so fast, she tried to grab the the bone fragment. The bullet went through, the bone flew off, and her arm reached out as if to catch it. Then she saw it was on the trunk. And then she very naturally, like every human being, turned on her right hip, her right knee, her left knee, crawled out like a cat going after it. And at this moment, the car accelerated because the actual thing is the car had stopped to a dead stop. And that's another thing that had to be covered up. The car stopped twice in the course of stopping in front of the sign and stopping for a, a, a moment at the grassy knoll when the death blows were delivered. Then the guy peeled out. Jackie's on the trunk. And when he peeled out, the fragment and Jackie went flying backward. At that moment, Clint Hill arrives, puts his hand on the, the guard, hand guard there, uh, and he saw what she was after. And he obviously says, oh my God, he, she's after that. And she'll, she'll die she'll kill herself going after it so what he does is he pushes it back like a hockey puck push pushes it back to where she can get it she grabs it pulls it toward her she falls on her side and then they work their way back into the car and what you i I don't know how in her mind she could have gone after i don't know where in her mind she was thinking about going after the chunk it's shock it's yeah, shock, it's just a reaction, know? man. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but, you know, it's like Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. But they had the pieces, and they were trying. Right. And that's yeah, but what Humpty's I wife was probably... See, I, 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 I'm just like... But this is uh, a millisecond after it's happened. Yeah, it's, you know? it's, it's a, a human it, reaction, actually, you know, It's a human reaction to go after the chunk, not flee. Well, she the, went, her she reaction went, no, was to... she went after a piece of bone that was a piece yeah. of her husband's head, my friend. That's what she yeah, was but, doing. but what I'm saying is, it's like when that kind of thing happens, it's the fight or flight thing, and she did neither. It's her husband, man. It, it was, uh, you know, there's fight and flight and save somebody's life. You know, 
in right. emergencies is really I that mean, third one. Fight, she was she wasn't a flight. medical student. She didn't know if maybe they could put that piece of brain back yeah. in his head and he could survive. It's, it's, she it's don't know that. Human Look, she carried you know it saying? in her hand. Listen, listen, folks. She held that in her hand all the way till she got to the hospital. Yeah, and when she saw the doctor, she said to him, "Will this help?" <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. Well, it's not something to laugh about. He, I'm not, I'm not, no, it is kind of comical, yeah. though. God only knows how our world would be if he had, if he lived. Mm. Well, his spirit that lives. And, 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 uh, yeah. Listen, his spirit lives, and that's where they made their great mistake. They thought they could get rid of the guy. Show me what came. president has imbued his spirit or conveyed his spirit. Since his passing, besides Reagan, yeah, that's a mixed bag uh, for that's, me. That's, yeah. yeah, that's uh, I can't uh, can't come up with anybody who yeah. who, who arrives at, at that. Uh, Reagan came close, and he came close to the same end and for the same reasons, I believe. You know, right. Now, here's the thing, though. It, once this footage uh, is put out there, and you finally uh, approve. Uh, the multiple shots. I mean, where are we still in the entire conspiracy? I mean, we still don't know why he was killed. Uh, if oh, yes, Harvey we do. Oswald, yes, we do. Uh, oh, oh, my God. So much has come out. So much has come out in the last couple of years. You know, deathbed confessions and and uh, documentation. I talk about documentation. I have in my possession a letter that was written to the FBI asking them to uh, go easy on Jack Ruby uh, because Jack Ruby was working as an informant for Congressman Richard M. Nixon, Republican of California, and the letter was written in 1947. Jack Ruby was working for Richard Nixon from 1947 through the 1950s through the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, I'm now, doing some math here. That, yeah, that's an interesting add-up. Yeah, yeah. and this, listen, I'll tell you where this document is. I tell people where they are, you go in there, you dig it up. I did my work, I went through hundreds and hundreds of documents, reading them page by page, thumbnail to thumbnail. But there's a wonderful resource out there, it's called the Portal to Texas History. And that has all the documents that the Dallas Police Department had on their files. And they uh, scanned all of them and put them up there. And you'll find remarkable things in there. Uh, and this is quite a, a find. Jack Ruby working for Richard M. Nixon. That is pretty interesting. Do you think yeah, that some of the uh, you know the, the conspiracy theories, obviously, especially dealing with the ufology angle, um, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people think that Kennedy was you know rubbed out because of uh, you know him wanting to yeah. come out with the truth uh, yeah. and what he knew about you know UFOs and aliens and uh, you know the shadow government had him right. killed because of that. Is there yeah. any truth to that, do you think? you think that's accurate? Because I, I think that I believe it's be, very true. Very it. He, you know, after the Cuban Missile Crisis, mm -hmm. uh, he was, he, he had a huge, incredible dread of accidental nuclear war. And there were two kinds of accidental nuclear war that we could have. One was miscalculation, miscalculating Russian in motives, intentions, and tactics because he knew that World War I had broken out that way uh, through the alliance system. But the other way that both Khrushchev and Kennedy dreaded accidental nuclear war is that UFOs were intruding into their our national air defense spaces from the north, from the North Pole. UFOs would 
zip down, coming down toward the United States over Canada, and uh, apparently trying to imitate a Russian nuclear warhead coming in, or several, you know, if it was a fleet of UFOs, they were called, fa they are still called fast walkers. Right. And they had done that to Russia, and they have done that to us. And we had gone on alert, thinking that Russia had launched uh, a nuclear strike on us several times in the 50s and 60s, and it kept happening in the 70s. But then, by then, we were wise to them. But they confused uh, the radar, um, the dew line, and the BEMUSE line, ballistic missile early warning um, system that we had, and they would be mistaken. They could be mistaken for nuclear warheads. So one of the things that Khrushchev and Kennedy discussed many times after the hotline was put in, Kennedy started going around everyone, all the committees, you know, because the United States is run by committees. You know, and so Kennedy oh, yeah. was talking directly to Khrushchev, mm -hmm. and they were discussing UFOs and the threat that they pose to accidental nuclear war and how to prevent it. And Kennedy, on November 12, 1963, wrote a letter to the director of Central Intelligence uh, demanding a uh, complete reclassification of all unknowns. He didn't say UFOs, he used the word unknowns. He wanted to know which were U.S. Navy, U.S. Army, U.S. Air Force unknowns, what were Russian unknowns, and what was left over. And he wanted that paper on his desk in February 1964, uh, expecting, um, expecting, of course, to win, but he wanted it that, uh, that following February. Hmm. And on that day, uh, that's when all the action went down, you know, and here's mm -hmm. what the action was. We all know about Operation Northwoods, okay? This was a terrorist plot by the Defense Department to conduct a terrorist event in the Miami area and pin it on the Cubans and on Castro, on uh, pro-Castro Cubans. Yep. We all know that. We have the plans. We, they were discovered by Professor Joan Mellon, who wrote uh, Farewell to Justice, all about the Kennedy assassination. Well, here's what I see happen. Kennedy refused to go along with that plan, Operation Northwoods, which was supposed to be December 1963, which was supposed to uh, create a false flag attack in Miami, killing who knows how many people with a terrorist event. And then that was going to be the Casas Belli for uh, invading Cuba. But Kennedy had told, uh, had told Khrushchev that he, he wouldn't invade Cuba, and uh, we would we would take our missiles out of Turkey. That was a quid pro quo. They took their atomic uh, warheads out of Cuba. We took the Jupiter missiles, which were really outdated, out of Turkey. And he promised not to invade uh, Cuba. So now the Joint Chiefs of Staff are demanding that he invade Cuba and, and that he let that he let this plan for a terrorist event in Miami to be conducted and be pinned on Castro. And Kennedy balked. He said, no, I gave my word to Khrushchev. So what they did, my friends, is they moved Operation Northwoods up from December of 1963 to November 22nd, 1963. And the terrorist act that they conducted to pin on Castro and the communists was the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Ah. Uh -huh. 
That's what really happened. Now, how did it happen? It happened by turning the assassination apparatus that was aimed at Castro. Robert, speak a little um, bit closer to the phone because we're, we're losing your oh, audio okay. a little bit. Okay. Um, well, how they did it is by turning the assassination apparatus that they had uh, aimed and financed to kill Castro and just turned the same mechanics on Kennedy and set up. They set up assassination uh, plots in Chicago, in Miami, and in Dallas. There was no way that President Kennedy was going to see Christmas in 1963 with the plots hmm. that were up against him. But he refused to let them conduct a terrorist act in Miami. Now, this terrorist act could also have occurred on November 18th when Kennedy was in Miami to address the Cuban community in the Orange Bowl. Everybody talks about the debacle of the Bay of Pigs, but they don't talk about Kennedy's victory as a result of the same Bay of Pigs. Kennedy worked from the day the Bay of Pigs uh, fiasco happened, unbeknownst to him, he wasn't told about it, that he worked until November of 1963 to get all of the survivors of the Bay of Pigs invasion back. He got all the prisoners back from Castro, Cuba. He paid in medicine and food and uh, this understanding that things might get better if, if they went along with this. So when Kennedy was in Miami, there was to be a motorcade from the airport, just like in Dallas, there was going to be an airport uh, to, uh, to the Orange Bowl motorcade. However, on November 9th of 1963, November 8th and 9th of 1963, the FBI, had, not the FBI actually, it was actually the Miami Police Department had um, recorded a conversation between an informant, William Somerset, and Joseph Miltier, the number three man in the Ku Klux Klan, and wow. a big wig in all these operations. And they discussed the killing of President Kennedy, the shooting of him by somebody with a telescopic rifle from a high office building, the picking up of a patsy who would be pinned with crime, and, very interestingly for me, they were looking for Kennedy doubles. He called them lookalikes. Right. And, and Somerset said to him, lookalikes? I didn't know he had any. Oh, he said, and Somerset, no, he has them. They have them in every city. They mm -hmm. have a couple of them in every city. So that was a thing that I was interested in because of the relationship that I had found of the death of Officer Tippett to the, um, as the getaway vehicle, basically, to get away with the autopsy. Because Officer Tippett was shot, by, killed with one bullet through the brain, and so they took his brain and presented it to the autopsist, who said, oh, this victim you know, died with one bullet through the brain. And I'll tell but you what, I... You know, I'll tell you what, though, I didn't, I didn't know much about Officer Tippett until the last time uh, we talked about uh, about him. And when I saw some of the, the pictures and stuff online and, uh, you know, the autopsy picture uh, mm -hmm. of Kennedy, that is so clearly uh, Tippett. I mean, it's, yes, it it's is now, state. but, you know, it, I was the first one to realize that because I was, I was, you know, I was glued to the TV set when all of this happened. And uh, I'll tell you honestly... There is a film of Officer Tippett that was taken on uh, on the grassy knoll immediately after after the assassination, and I remember seeing it. And they and CBS showed it uh, before they knew it was Tippett that had been killed. It's really an amazing thing, and uh, I'll just uh, I'll stop it there because I don't want 
to, to get out uh, too soon because I'm still tracking down that film. But Tippett Tip was an integral part of the assassination plot. He was the best friend of Jack Ruby. Jack Ruby and he used to ride around in the squad car. Ruby used to like to pretend to be a detective. And when I investigated the, the deaths of those 18 people who died, uh, you know, astronomically out of uh, probability in two or th two years after the assassination, I said to myself, well, these people were getting knocked off. What is it that they were talking about? What is it that they knew <clears throat> that was getting them killed? And in a large number of these cases of people who were killed, uh, it was people who had found out or had previous prior knowledge of the intimate relationship between J.D. Tippett and Jack Ruby. Two reporters that visited Ruby's apartment on the night uh, that Ruby killed Oswald, they were killed, one with a karate chop, and one was killed in a uh, California police station. Get this, the cop was uh, twiddling, twirling his gun, he dropped it, it hit the floor, and uh, discharged and killed this reporter. Um, yeah, I don't buy that one. Sorry. No, of course I don't buy. I don't, I, I, and a karate chop. Hold on, hold on. Oh yeah, this, <laughs> yeah, this, uh, some guy. Judo chop. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it other, was Matt Helm. It, I'm telling you, it was Matt Helm that did it. <laughs> sort of like that, you know. Well, you know, Matt Helm and all of those characters were Hollywood caricatures of real yeah. people that were going around doing that thing, and you so, know, they it, were so they the always get time. the hot babes, and you know, they, yeah. you know, they live in the penthouse, and they always had the hot babes. Well, you know, uh, Frank Sinatra was another big player in this. Uh, the Las Vegas mob was yeah, in, yeah. in direct contact with Jack Ruby for the months, several months before uh, the assassination. And Ruby was making regular calls to, uh, what was his name, McWillie, some guy named, uh, a mobster named McWillie in Las Vegas. Um, There's no Ruby? way that there could be a mobster named McWillie. It's not <laughs> Italian <laughs> enough. Not I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's but not Italian it. enough. Even it, could, it could be an Irish gangster. Listen, the deal, the deal to uh, kill Castro was sealed in uh, on September 25th, 1959, mm. when Sheffield Edwards of the CIA met in Miami with uh, Santos Traficante and Carlos Marcello through the intermediary of... Uh, Johnny Roselli. On that day, the CIA gave $10,000 in cash to Santos Traficante and Carlos Marcello to get the assassination plot going. Now, this was part of an assassination committee that the United States had had since the 1950s. These committees were called the October 5th Committee, then it molted into the October 20th Committee, then it became something called the 5412 Committee. And they dealt with eliminating political undesirables, uh, assassinating communist um, candidates and communist agitators, and the communist... I wonder, I wonder if those people are still around, because uh, that would explain why some uh, celebrities also have been... Uh, you know, shadow had shadowy deaths. You know, like uh, yeah. Well, it, it was a control. It is a it was and is a control apparatus. Mm -hmm. uh, it became Operation Forty after Fifty Four Twelve. But if you know the work of Fletcher Prouty, he was exposing it in the in the nineteen nineties, mm -hmm. and he called it the secret team. He told it, I can't tell you exactly his name, but we call it the secret team, and that's just what they do. Now, here's the key to the whole thing. This assassin.
assassination apparatus uh, of the United States government had representatives of the NSA, the CIA, the FBI, the Attorney General sat on it, so Robert Kennedy knew about it, uh, the Defense Department, and uh, it was, and then they had their hired killers. So this this operation against Castro was conceived there. Right. They got the intermediary and they they hatched it. Okay. Now this committee in order to protect the President of the United States and give him plausible deniability, operated outside of his purview, and the chairmanship of this committee was given to the Vice President of the United States. Okay, so it sounds like an episode Nixon, of 24, doesn't it? So Nixon, <laughs> Richard Nixon, was the head yeah. of the assassination committee throughout the 1950s, and they are the ones that took out uh, President Arbenz in uh, Honduras, and they knocked mm. off a few South American uh, and Central American uh, leftist leaders. But here's here's the irony: Kennedy got the nomination. Hoover blackmailed him into forcing Lyndon Johnson onto the ticket. Nixon expected to win and become president of the United States with a vice president, Henry Cabot Lodge. Right. Nixon lost the election because Kennedy stole the election because the mafia helped him steal the election in Chicago and several other places. Then he right. double-crossed the mob. Okay? So Nixon loses the election. And so Henry Cabot Lodge does not inherit the 5412 committee. But who inherits the 5412 committee? Lyndon Johnson, vice mm. president of the United States. So he inherited the chairmanship of the assassination apparatus that was aimed at Castro before he was elected because it was Nixon's gig. Right. And then when his head was in the noose in 1963, Lyndon Johnson was about to be impeached on November 22, 1963. A Senate committee... As a investigation committee was coming down with a uh, recommendation for impeachment. And after impeachment, he was going to see long-term in, in federal prison because they caught him red-handed in conducting land scams with his buddy Billy Solestis in Texas and the shopping bags full of cash that Bobby Baker, his executive secretary, was caught with uh, taking bribes from mafia from everybody here, here, here's a question for you uh robert if tippett was involved and we're saying him and jack ruby were friends uh, was tippett aware that he was going to be used as a double did he know obviously that he was going to get not. killed obviously no, I mean, not as a matter of fact one of the most remarkable statements uh there were two people involved in at, at uh, tippett's uh, killing and the one who shot him over over the trunk of the car and then walked up to him and put the bullets in his head ran away emptying the gun. He just he, he emptied the the cartridges, the bullets, and they they fell on the ground. And as he was running away and reloading, uh, a lady, a witness who lived in the house right there where this uh, near where the killing occurred, heard him say, "Poor dumb cop." Because. They set him up. He, right. My take on Tippett is he was told, look, you're going to go and you're going to have to find Oswald. And when you kill Oswald, you're going to be the hero because you will be right. the guy who killed the, the, the hero who killed the guy who killed the president. You see? And for the same reason, Ruby was involved in it too. Ruby was in Dealey Plaza. And it's my belief that it was Ruby who took the, the throat shot with a, with a small caliber weapon. 
standing really? in front of the sign. Yeah, he, I have found pictures of, of, of Jack Ruby standing in front of the sign, and people haven't recognized them. And then uh, there's a lot of misdirection and mislabeling, but it's uh, it's famous. There's this thing called the Bronson, the Bronson uh, film and the Bronson photo. Now, who was this Bronson? I, well, I heard about the Bronson film in 1992 and 93, and I started seeing it. So the the 35 millimeter photo he shot. It turns out it was Charles Bronson, the actor. No kidding. He was in Dealey Plaza. Charles Bronson had a TV show that I watched for two years, from 1958 and 59 to 1960, I believe, and it was called The Man with a Camera. Huh. And and he just happened to be in Dealey Plaza for that event. And, and he took a 35-millimeter slide <laughs> from far away, and in it, you see the people. It's one of the few pictures that shows who was standing in front of the sign, the Stemmons Greenway sign. And years ago, I looked at it and I said, hey, man. That, that looks like Jack Ruby in the suit. He's fat, and he's got a dog. And they said, oh, no, no, that's that's Chisholm, and that's his, his, his eight-year-old boy or seven-year-old boy who was with him. I looked at the picture again. They said, Chisholm? And he said, yeah, and that's his seven-year-old boy. And I said, look, if that's Chisholm's seven-year-old boy, he has four legs and a tail, and he's standing <laughs> in the gun with his paws up. <laughs> I, well, he might have some kind of a, uh, you know... Well, no, this, this is the key. This is the key. Jack <laughs> yeah. Ruby didn't go anywhere without his favorite dog, Sheba. Mm. People said he was almost married to it. You know the story about him uh, yep. shooting Oswald, and he left her in the car with the, with the latch, so the, the locks off, so somebody mm -hmm. would find her? Well, that was uh, Jack Ruby, and I think that that, uh, that I have found him, and, and that he took the shot. Now, why That's did he kill Oswald? Because Oswald was going to talk. Oswald had infiltrated everything. He had infiltrated the anti-Castro Cubans. He had and, and Oswald denied uh, shooting the president when they asked him. Of he course. Denied, yeah, he denied and everything. It, he, yeah. And you hear it in his voice, you know? Yeah, like, that's you the most important it. thing, yeah. I think every one of us is touched by that. We all hear innocence in his voice when he answers the question, and then the fear that comes in when he says, and uh, nobody told me that until one of the reporters uh, asked me that in the hallway. You know, he says asked right. instead of asked. Right, right. Anyway. Right. Now, how uh, much do you think he knew, though, uh, at the end of the day? Because we're almost out of time here, but I wanted to ask you this. How much do you think he knew at the end of the day uh, of what was going on? Was he fully aware of the assassination attempt? or was he, Obviously, like, he was not aware that he was going to be the patsy, man. But right. listen to this. This is the greatest part of the story, and it just came to me recently when I heard... Um, we got 30 seconds. Richard <laughs> Russell, Richard Russell, who wrote The Man Who Knew Too Much about Richard Case Nagel, said oh, yeah. that the KGB tried to stop the Kennedy assassination because they knew it was going to happen. They knew that the plot was to pin it on Oswald and make it reflect on them. So the KGB ordered Richard Case Nagel to kill Oswald to stop the plot from reflecting on them. They said, they're going to pin it on us. <laughs> they, they're really smart. So listen, wow. the key to this thing is a wonderful thing. The KGB didn't do things like that without the knowledge going all right all the way to the top so in my That's belief true. premier khrushchev when he found out that they were going to try to kill president kennedy and pin it on him and castro he ordered the kgb to try to kill oswald and they killed the wrong guy they killed the oswald double ah okay. we're going to stop it right there and we're going to stop tease for the we next time we're on go, <laughs> and he did die. he did die for trying to let out the UFOs in Area 51, and 
Okay. We're going to cover more on this uh, soon with uh, Robert here. Guys, it's uh, almost like time to go. Time went fast. Uh, time flies. Yeah, the hour goes by quick uh, on Skywatchers Radio. But thank you, uh, Robert, for being on. Thanks, thank Alejandro, you, for being friend. on earlier. Hey, thank you, you guys are always you, know, you guys are always awesome to have on. Thank uh, all the listeners you, uh, for, for listening. No worries. Uh, Alan, thank you for being on, as always, hey, as usual. And, not a problem, uh, Angel. Keith, Thank you for uh, you know putting together Dark Matter Radio Network and letting us broadcast live every week. Guys, join us next week. We'll be back with another great guest, I promise you. Until then, this is Skywatchers Radio, and we are saying goodnight, unfortunately.